I am overjoyed this morning at the invitation of St. Andrew's Presbyterian for inviting me here to fill the pulpit and tell you about the ministry I'm involved in by the grace of God. And I'm very thankful to uh, uh, Dr. Weldon, the elders and deacons of this church and the leadership, and the choir and the uh, leadership of uh, leading worship this morning. I tell you, I have just been thrilled. My heart has been refreshed, and uh, my mind has been enlightened even more about the Word of God, and, and I so appreciate that. And I particularly needed that. In the last um, five weeks, I've gone through uh, dealing with a headache. Now, not uh, your normal headache. Usually, I've never had a headache, actually. Take an uh, aspirin, and it's gone. But uh, I haven't had migraines because I don't have to worry about lights or anything else. Uh, but this headache was so bad, all I could do was hold my head. I went to the emergency room five times, and they told me, they said, you've got to quit coming to the emergency room. I said, you've got to start doing something. <laughs> and I'll quit coming to the emergency room. So uh, they're still working on it. But I uh, hope it's better, so I'm hoping uh, they'll deal with it. If you would, turn with me this morning to um, Psalms 91. Psalms 91. Psalms 91 is, a, is a, uh, just a wonderful psalm. Of, of refuge, of fortress, of protection, often referred to as the soldier's psalm. David was a mighty warrior. He was very familiar with this psalm. Many men that have gone out to battle, many men and women, prior to going into battle, would have read or had the chaplain read this psalm prior to them going to battle. Think about that as we go through this psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look, at your eye, look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most holy who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you, you strike your foot against a stone. 
you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the encouragement of these words. You are our refuge and our fortress, our ever-present help in the times of trouble. We know that no matter what happens, you are in charge. You have things in place. It's not the temporary things we need to be concerned about so much as the eternal things that you have set in place, and for that, you have sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to save our souls for all eternity. You have a plan that we must go through that not only brings about salvation for us and for our families, but for families of others. Help us to go through this warfare here on this earth, to bring about salvation for many, to encourage others in the light of Jesus Christ, and to bring them home, bring them home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I, um, I hope you can see that a soldier hearing these words would be very encouraged prior to going into battle. Because you think about prior to going in, out into battle, prior to going outside the fence, prior to someone telling you to lock and load, your hand is a little jittery, things are getting a little nervous, and you know the enemy's coming. I, I've got a man here that can tell you a little bit more about that than I can. Had a worse experience about that than I can. He may not want to tell you about that, but he knows he's had some experiences. But I've got a friend of mine here, Dan Stover. Dan, if you'd come up. He's a Marine. He was in Iraq. How many, how many uh, times did you serve? Huh? So how many times were you deployed? One? Okay. Come on up then. And uh, I just want him to share with you. He's uh, with with our uh, Project Josiah, and just share with you a word. Just, uh, just what Josiah's done for me a little bit. Uh, as far as Project Josiah, uh, when I moved down here from Indiana, yeah, I'm a Yankee. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of uh, friends I could go to, and, and especially coming back from something like that, you don't, you don't come back and integrate into the world uh, like you would think. Um, and there's not a lot of whole lot of options out there. The VA is one of them, but um, it's kind of a number system, so they get you in and out fast. Uh, and then you're just still kind of left with nowhere to go. 
And it's hard to um, cope with those kinds of things. Um, fortunately for me, I got to meet Bobby. And uh, Bobby had this great uh, ministry to offer uh, to me and to other vets that I know. Um, as you can see, I don't feel real comfortable being up here in front of people. Um, it's very hard for me. Um, but I love Bobby. Bobby's my brother. And I would do anything for him. So that's why I'm here today, because that's my brother. Just not in Christ, but also in, in a different world, um, which is one that's hard to explain. Um, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of things that when you come back, you're left to deal with. And a lot of times you're left to deal with it alone. And that's a hard thing to do. Um, if you've been through something traumatic, it's not something you want to try to deal with alone either. Um, that's why there's a lot of suicide. Uh, thanks to Bobby and his ministry, when you get around other people who are dealing with the same things that you deal with, you learn how to cope. You learn you're not the only one going through it. I stand here in front of you today as many veterans who struggle with PTSD and other things. And it's not easy. There are days that I just don't want to get out of bed. There's days that my wife and my kids, they go through a lot with me. And I thank them. I love them. Because they, they, they keep helping me to grow and to be better. Uh, but so does this ministry. Um, my wife <laughs> encourages me to go. Um, so even when I don't feel like going, she encourages me to go. And uh, it helps. Even when I don't want to, even when <laughs> I don't want to get out of bed. Uh, I remember that I have brothers and sisters out here who are going through the same things. And uh, with, with Project Josiah, it's one of those things that uh, it helps. Believe it or not, it really does to be able to sit amongst brothers and sisters who have been there and done that and, and, are, and are struggling with the same things that you struggle with day in and day out. So I thank Bobby very much for the uh, ministry and the opportunity to come up here and speak for you. Um, and please just open your ears to what he has to say and, and just listen to him because he does have a, a, a true ministry from the Lord. So. Now Dan's from Iraq and I'm from Vietnam and when we get together there's no difference. A warrior's a warrior. What you did, where you did it, makes no difference. It really makes no difference. Your experiences were different. But as far as what your mind goes through at the time, it, it really doesn't make a lot of difference. David, in Psalm 91, when he's speaking about these things, he knows. David was a mighty warrior. They sung, Saul has killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. David did not, God did not want David to build the temple because he had so much blood on his hands. He had one mighty man that killed 800 men at one time. 
with a spear. I don't know who that guy is, but I wouldn't want to meet him on a bad day. Um, what got me started in this? You know, I, when I, I came back from Vietnam in 1969 or 1970, and um, I pretty well thought, you know, hey, I, I've, done, I've done what I was supposed to do. I'm coming back, getting married. My wife, Bonnie, back there, 47 years. And uh, I hope I've really been a blessing to her. No, she's been a blessing to me. <laughs> but because uh, I'm sure I've put her through it. Uh, my wife, I mean, my daughter, Jordan, and my son, Robert, and our granddaughter, uh, Grace, I mean, uh, Paige. <laughs> Our memories work so good. Um, but anyway, we, um, I came back. I put all that stuff behind me. I was ready to go to work, ready to get married, ready to get going in life, ready to just catch up those uh, three years, or actually two years, nine months, 17 days, three hours, and 15 minutes that I had put into the Army. Not that I was keeping up with it. And, um, and I formed a little... A concrete box in the back of my mind, and I put everything about Vietnam in there, in that box. And I sealed it up with um, super brain glue. And for 40 years, it stayed sealed up until I had triple bypass surgery. And I don't know what they did during that triple bypass surgery, but they messed that glue up. <laughs> and the wall came tumbling down. Somebody had a horn. But anyway, after, after, uh, after I came out of heart surgery and went through congestive heart failure, I went down. I was, I was at Northeast Presbyterian. This was 2010. I went down for 18 months. And my wife, Italia, she'll be here today this afternoon at the table if you want to talk with her. I went down for 18 months and would not even, some days, even speak, speak to her unless spoken to. I would leave my room, go get something, come back to my room, and go to bed. 18 months. And it's not that I wanted to be that way, it just worked out that way. That's just the way it happened. I went to the VA, I went to their courses, I did the things they wanted me to do. And some of them, I said that I would not do. Um, they tried to get me to do some other things, and then finally I just said, no, none of this is working. None of this is working. And I had, a, um, I had two, um, two colonels, one Army and one Marine. And I was enlisted, so somebody had to help them out. Um, only the enlisted understand that joke. But, uh, <laughs> but um, anyway, I, um, they asked me, they said, well, Bobby, why don't we just meet once a week and sit down and talk? I said, okay, we'll do that. So we sat down once a week, and we just started talking. We didn't have any idea what we were doing. Matter of fact, we weren't even trying to come up with an idea about what we were doing, except that we wanted to just get together and talk. 
And they said, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, let's don't have an agenda. I said, I go to these other meetings at the VA. They always have an agenda. I never talk about what I want to talk about. You know, by the time they get around to my question, it's too late. Well, it's high, time's up. So let's don't have an agenda, and um, let's don't have speakers. Let's just get together, and what comes out comes out. And so we had uh, several others join us. And we had one man, he was a, a cap, Navy captain. I don't know how I got all these officers. But um, he was Navy captain, John Cummer. And he was also dean at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary after he retired. And John came in. I kept wondering, well, what in the world does John think about this? Because um, I was kind of setting the pace of this thing. As I was thinking about now, I said, well, it works, so why can't we reproduce it? And so after about six months or eight months, I asked John, we're going around the table, and I said, well, John, what do you think of this program? He said, Bobby, to tell you the truth, the first time I heard of this program, that you were not going to have an agenda and you were not going to have speakers, I said, there's no way this thing will work. He said, but you know, it's the very thing that makes it work. And he came until the Lord took him home. Most of these guys have been coming for four years. Every Wednesday night, let's have some vacation, go to them, uh, vacation or whatever. And so I want to tell you how important something like this is not, and we don't take notes. I, I don't really care about taking notes about what you've done or what you haven't done. We don't judge. We don't care, judge about what you did. It's not up to us to judge what you did. It's not up to you to judge what I did. The latest thing coming out that people are talking about, and this is affecting the, the Christian world, is moral injury. How many of y'all have heard that term, moral injury? I see you're all informed. Oh, one's informed. <laughs> um, moral injury. That's saying that um, something has been something has been corrupted in the area of sin. Uh, sin, as far as shame, guilt, confusion, anger, or something of the like within the heart, heart issues that caused people to make decisions wrong or right that conflicted their decisions that they had made prior. Here's the thing. We, are, we grow up, all of us grow up, for most of us, we grew up in a Christian world. But all of us in the United States grew up in a pretty much Christian Judeo ethic. Doesn't matter who, what we believe. Now, you take that same young man, young lady, at 18 to 22 to 26 years old, and take them within 24 to 36 hours and put them in horror world. Where those basic principles, those absolutes that they were positive about, all of a sudden become challenged. And they start making decisions that they can't help but make because there's no time to think about it. 
when a person picks up a gun and kills somebody for the first time, that's a pretty big deal. And some of you, oh, it's not a big deal. It's never bothered me. It may not. It may never bother you. And that's okay. But for some people, it does bother them. For some people, when they see a car accident and somebody's really, uh, really hurt in the accident, it bothers them. For other people, it doesn't bother them. Depends on how sensitive you are, doesn't it? Well, for the person that does bother, for the person that conflicted about what happened, I had a friend of mine in, um, in my 20s, she ran over a child and killed the child. The child was only, I think, five, six years old. She could not. It was an accident. She could not get over that. She was a sweet lady. You can't drop something like that. It was a moral injury. What was the moral injury? You don't, you don't kill children. It doesn't matter whether it's an accident or not. You've got to work through that somehow. Sometimes it takes professional help. We're not against professional help. We believe in professional help. Matter of fact, in Project Josiah, now uh, Hidden Wounds has just uh, recently, this past week, come under Project Josiah so that we can offer that professional help if it's needed. We want that professional help. But for the most part, veteran helping veteran, we're finding out, and the VA's finding out, and others are finding out, that that's the best help that you can get. It's just talking to one another. And I found out that when I look back at my time in Vietnam and my time in service, that when I would sit around and talk to other brothers, I always felt better about things. Now, God's got to come into the picture too. Because He is our refuge and our fortress. And so we are a faith-based organization. Now, you can come into our organization, and we're not going to beat you over the head with the Bible. Because I realize that through some of the things that you may have gone through, you may be very angry with God. Steve Camp wrote a, um, uh, wrote a song many years ago said, don't tell them Jesus loves them until you taste the salt in their tears. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I remember I was in New York a couple of years ago before I got sick, and I was walking by this, um, it was Pennsylvania, uh, was it, uh, is it Pennsylvania uh, Railroad Station or whatever it is right there in town? Yeah, okay, Pennsylvania Station. And so um, walking by there, and this guy says, You're going to hell! You need to repent! You need to have Jesus! I'm going like, You know, I ought to say something to him. I really don't know what to say, but I need to say something. But I was with somebody who we was doing some business, you know. I'm going, Man, I don't think that works. <laughs> and, um, 
And just so happened, we came back across there, and I think this is where they made the soup Nazi deal where, where, on uh, Seinfeld. I said, no soup for you. But um, <laughs> we were walking by, by and this guy with uh, another minister or something said, he took him to the side. He said, sir, what you're doing is not working. Tell them about grace. Tell them about the grace of Jesus Christ. He loves them. They're not condemned. They're forgiven. Tell them about forgiveness. Well, that's why I, I do not judge anyone about anything because I don't know your heart. I don't know where your heart is. And I'm not about to judge where that's at. But I'll tell you about Jesus. And I'll tell you where Jesus will take you. And I'll tell you it's absolutely fully paid for. Because you see, God provides everything you need. Now, when I was thinking about this passage, I don't know how much time do I have? Have I already gone over? <laughs> kind of figured that. Well, I'll try to wrap it up pretty quick. You, you, know, what a, you know what happens when a pastor says, and the last point is, that's another 20 minutes. <laughs> but I'll try to wrap it up real quick. But I, but I, I like to look at this. There's a, um, there's a term in the military called FOB. A FOB is a military installation. It's a medium-sized installation. There's a super, um, there's a super installation, which is a, a very large uh, area that would include several battalions, maybe divisions, or whatever. But then there's a, um, uh, then there's a FOB, which may have a hospital or several hospitals and, and uh, PXs and so forth, and um, one or two battalions and, and so forth. And then there's a COB. And that has, that's just a combat outpost. Well, they don't have much. It's just a little place, and they, got, they don't get protected as well. Well, I think of this passage here in God being the FOB. And the F stands for fortress. He's our fortress, our refuge. The O stands for He's our omnipotent power. He's the source that we tap into. We've got to go to the FOB. We've got to get replenished. We've got to get the help. We've got to get the security we need. He's also omnipresent. He's all around us so that when we go out of the wire, we can be protected. It doesn't matter where you're fighting a battle in the army or in the military. Hey, civilian life is a, is, is a battle. And then the B, oh, the B is the blessing. The blessing. The blessing is this. You always need to understand. He loves you. He cares for you. He thinks about you all the time. Do you know why? Because you know His name. 
If there's anybody here that doesn't know his name, I want to talk to you. Or the pastor or one of the elders want to talk to you. We can tell you about him. If you know his name, he loves you. He cares for you. I didn't know Jesus when I was in Vietnam. I sure am thankful he saved me. But he knew me. And he brought me home. I didn't know what for, and sometimes I've wondered since I've come home what he brought me home for. And some of you veterans out there may wonder that yourself. But I'm going to tell you this much. I've seen four men not commit suicide because of Project Josiah. That's a miracle in itself. Now some of you say, well, you know, I'd love to come to something like this, but, you know, I just don't like being around people. I don't either. (laughs) I don't want to be around you either. Who wants to be around somebody who don't want to be around anybody? But it's because of what Dan said. Because we love the brotherhood. It's not something we do. It's something we've been called to do. By Jesus himself. You think the mighty men and Jesus, I mean, and David's uh, warriors didn't hang with each other? They knew what it was to hang with each other. They knew what it was to have the brotherhood. We need to know. This Wednesday night at 6.30, we're going to have our first meeting. I want to see you here. You veteran, you combat veterans. Come, let's talk. If you don't want to talk, you don't have to, just come. And I guarantee you, you'll feel the difference. Can I pray for us? Father in heaven, we just thank you and praise you for your love and your grace towards us, for, your word, for the word this morning, that you are our father. You are the place we run to. You are the place that we are refurbished. You are the place that we are resupplied. You are the place that we are loved and cared for. Father now, send us out to do the mission Tell others about your love and your mercy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.